Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to Creating a Prayer Culture for God, Prayer Line Live Christian Podcast. We would like to send a special thank you to Anchor Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Podbean, Audible, Player.fm Podcast, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. These are platforms in which you can join in and listen to the message as it goes forth. We just want to thank God for allowing us to be able to share his good news. Uh, So please join us. And now let us get back to the message. God bless. everybody to the Thursday night wisdom call Bible study and prayer tonight. This is uh, your host, your teacher tonight, Brother Stephen, Pastor Lester, Sharon Hayes here. Just want to welcome all of you and uh, just thank God that you didn't think it robbery to join tonight. I'm pretty sure that there's something in the word for you tonight. Just want to appreciate all of you for last night's prayer. Uh, I think that was probably one of the most urgent times of prayer. And in him do we put our trust. And so let's continue to do those 
they can't stop God. But he's going to be God. He's going to be glorified. He's going to send all this stuff. And we see him doing it right now. We just have to continue to pray. Amen. And watch God be God. Amen. Amen. So we thank him for it. We praise him for it. You know, and uh, we just know he's God. You know, I know nobody, nobody can stand up against God. Nobody. No force out there. The greatest power on this earth is the name of Jesus. And we give God praise for that. Amen. So let's get into the word tonight. Learn some wisdom tonight. We'll open up this word. We're going to be coming to you tonight out of the book again of First John chapter uh, three, I think it's three or four. Yeah, chapter three, uh, verses. Uh, I want to say fourteen tonight. We're going to look at verse fourteen tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, verse fourteen tonight. Praise God. Amen. And this verse, verse fourteen, reads. Uh, we can say that, and that can be our testimony based on experience. 
we've had with the word, things we've been taught over the years with the word all the way back when we were children. We were taught John three sixteen, the book of John chapter three, verse sixteen, and King James Bible that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who those believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we've known this, even though sometimes we don't testify to that. Even now, you know, in our mature uh, age, sometimes we'll testify about other things and remember that I should have testified about him. The Bible says this is how we overcome by the word, and that word is talking about is not my word, not stuff I make up that I want to say that sound good to me, that I think needs to be said. But the word he's talking about in the book of Revelation, the 12th chapter, is talking about the, the word, which is Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God made flesh, the Messiah, the one that came, you know. And when you when you deal with that scripture, you have to remember that's what it's referencing. It's talking about is Jesus Christ in your mouth. Is that your testimony? Is that word in your mouth, Jesus Christ, the living word? Or if you still written out on the pages in the Bible, and we only pick up the Bible on Christmas and for the world that that pagan day you know and i say we because i'm included you know i have to always measure my own walk based on what i tell you because i'm today. so i'm not saying you i'm saying we i'm saying us including myself i have to live by the same word the same standard i have to testify the same savior i have to tell the same truth that we have in common and we should we should i won't say be proud of that but we should be satisfied with that is that we have this in common, that you're not over here testifying about some some other god or some other island or some other bishop or apostle or whoever your favorite is, or we're not over here testifying about somebody else. There's enough of that going on in the world for everybody because we know, we say it all the time, there's 4,400 different denominations out there. And all of them have an issue with the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ is nothing more than saying there's nobody like him. He, is, he stands alone. He reigns above. He's supreme. He's high and lifted up. He's high and mighty. There's nobody before him, nobody after him, and nobody like him. Nobody can be compared to him. He is the one and only true and living God. We make no graven images of him. We make no statues that look like him. Even though there's a lot of them that still got it hanging on the cross, they ram around their neck on the cross. They got pictures of him on the cross. You know, they love, they love to think of him in terms of still being on that cross, still being crucified. But they don't like to worship and serve and relate and honor him as being glorified. High and exalted, high and lifted up. And open the book, I want to say the book of Colossians, it talks about him being the preeminent one. I think it's in the first chapter. It talks about him being the preeminent Christ. The, the, the one that's above before never will be anybody else besides him. No other God. And so that's the one that we testify to right there, you know. That, that, that's how we prove that we're born of him and that we know him. But he did come to earth. He did stay here three and a half years, you know. I mean, did ministry here three and a half years. But he was living here for 30 years, learning how to do ministry, learning the things that he was going to have to know when people approached him. He had to know what the prophets had taught. He had to know what they were teaching in the synagogue. He had to know what the struggle was for people. He had to sit there and listen, even at 12 years old, at what they were saying. You got people right now, they don't want to listen to the word. They want only those who make their ears itch and tell them what they want to hear. When you start doing sound doctrine, sound teaching about Jesus Christ, people say that's boring, that's old-fashioned. You know, but now that's life. That's life giving. You know, because when you talk about Jesus, you're 
believe that word, how to believe that that word is the, the word of God, the voice of God, that, hey, when that word goes out of our mouth, and God's mouth pieces to bring it, the people to preach it, as we are commanded and testified Jesus Christ with the God of the living and the dead. You know, when that happens, he said, that word won't come back for It's going to do what God pleases to hear the purpose for which he sent it. And we know he sent his word, Jesus Christ, to us, and us means anybody who's up will out there got to hear the gift what the Spirit is saying to the, to the church, to the body of Christ, to the people of God. You know, it, it brings life to you because it comes to life. When you take it off the page and distribute it and preach it as you command it, it now becomes spirit and life. That's Jesus Christ. He's spirit and he's life. He comes to bring life through the word. He is the word. And wherever he's at sharing the word that he is, it brings life. It brings life. It quickens your spirit. It quickens your mortal man. That lets you know it's living. It's alive. Not a dead letter. Because the letter of the law, you just stick there and kill it. But you got to go on and, and reveal what the law concealed. The old covenant is concealed. And the new covenant, it reveals it. So you got to go on to the new covenant. You can't get stuck in the old old covenant. Just the law. Because it's been fulfilled by one and only true and living Jesus Christ. Okay, now let's talk about Jesus, the one who fulfilled the law. How did he do it? Okay, he did it because the Father gave him the ability to do it. Well, how are we going to be able to live by grace? Because Jesus Christ is going to give us the ability to do it. How is he going to do it? He told us, my grace is sufficient for you, so all I have to do is just be saved by grace through faith and think that that's not of myself, but just a gift from God. Not by my work, but right in my faith. You know, but by faith in the finished work of Jesus on that cross, unmerited favor, I can't deserve it because God sent his son to take care of it. All I can do is accept and receive it and be free by it. So Jesus Christ is the faith that came to the earth. Uh, in the book of Luke, let's grab some, let's grab some, some references here. Let's, let's, let's add some, 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 some references to this now. Let's not just leave it out there as a naked statement. It can stand alone because all of us on here. That 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 on his tonight. That's in our little circle of, of 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 believers. We know this to be true by the word. But what about the massive amount of people out there that don't know, have never heard before? Well, let's for their sake, let's share some references here. Let's share some prophetic utterance that was already made about them. You know, let's take them on a little walk here through the truth. And in the book of Luke, chapter two, verse eleven, the King James Bible. Listen at this reference. It says. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's in the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 11, King James. Now understand who Luke was talking to. In that day and age, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone that God sent from heaven to earth. And so Luke now is in the church ministering to them. And guess what? He's telling them what the prophet had said. We know what Isaiah prophesied over in the seventh chapter verse 14 and then over in the ninth chapter verse uh, 6 King James Bible he said unto us the child was going to be born and someone was going to be given even told us what his name was going to be called so here is Luke now telling his congregation based on what the prophet had already foretold that the Messiah we've been hoping for praying for looking for hey he's going to be born in the city of David in Bethlehem did it happen it came to pass that's how we know that you're speaking of God when you say things and it comes to pass. 
why they're skipping over everything because the church got to pay them an archbishop salary or a bishop salary or an apostle salary. Oh, they got it broken down. You know, they got a price tag of signs, but you can go back and look. You can do your own research. They're skipping all over this where the teaching starts. You know, where the good news is carried out there. Evangelism. Messengers of good news. Pastors and, and, and preachers and teachers, we teach and we preach as all that we are commanded to do in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 42, and to testify, okay, about the Messiah that came here. They don't want to hear that stuff. They don't want to be saved. They know that Jesus Christ is the only name by which man can be saved. They're looking for another way to be saved, y'all. Let's be honest now. People are looking for another way to get to heaven. They want to circumvent anything about Jesus. There's that way that, that Solomon wrote about, you know, man of wisdom wrote about in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12, or 12 and 14. Y'all, y'all know the scripture I'm talking about. He said, there is that way of the man that seems right, but the end thereof leads to the way of destruction. And I hate to say it, but a lot of our brothers and sisters out there, some of them have walked in this truth. But when they heard something that made it here, they, they left this truth and went out to something else. They like what they heard. Our father came to town and Told them about a new house and a new car. Told them about sowing a seed and reaping, you know, and all that. That sounded good. That sounded like a better way, an easier way. That I don't, I don't have to stop going to the casino. I don't have to stop going to the club. I don't have to give up my. I don't have to give up my Friday night party, you know, and all of that. If I just sow a seed, I can, I can, I can get what, you know, a new what. So they're looking for that other way. But Jesus Christ came to earth to be that way to the Father. And it says, for unto you is born this day. So he was talking to them. He said, unto you. He talked to that congregation at that time who probably had been fed a whole bunch of heresy and a whole bunch of apostasy and lies and deception and false teaching and prophecy. And here Luke, man, all physicians who have been with Paul, he's Luke knows something. Luke has some insight. He has some inside insight. He witnessed and seen some things. He had been exposed to the power of God. And look at how he addressed this congregation to set them at ease. For unto you is born, Jesus Christ, he said he is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Not just a, another prophet, not just another philosopher, or liar, chief, a greedy beggar, a aggressive beggar. No, he said David, a savior. The city of David, a savior which is Christ the Lord, signifying there that he's born. When you've been looking for he's here now. But guess what? He was here for those 33 and a half years, and then he physically went back to the Father, but he left his spirit here to be with us until he comes back to the earth. So he's still Emmanuel, God with us. You know, he's in us who believe, who have received him. You know, as many as received him, to them gave me the power to become the sons of God. And when around and say you're a son of God because you remember everything about Or your bishop name, Bishop Samuel Lou, whatever. No, you got to receive Jesus Christ. You can receive all the prophets that come to town. You can receive all the bishops. You can sit under what they got to tell you. You can throw thousands of dollars at their feet. They have no power to be your faith. They have no power to forgive your sins and remove them and cast them to the victim. 
God's son that he died for the sins of the world. And when you believe that, the Bible said you will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the Savior. Book of Acts chapter 4, chapter, uh, four verse 12 says that's the only name by which men can be saved. I don't care what big name, mega, whatever comes to your, 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 your town and do a three-day revival. You know? They're going to have to talk about Jesus if you want to be saved up in there. Now, they talk about everything else, but Jesus, to me, it was a wasted trip. That's just you're not saved. He goes on to say, you know, uh, in the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, first in the King James Bible, this and that this. Now, he's continuing to teach here in the synagogue. For the Son of Man is come, this is y'all, to seek, number one, and to save that which was lost. So, obviously, not, there was nobody in the city lost. He wouldn't need to come. It's the same thing today. If, there was, if there's nobody needs salvation, then we wouldn't need preaching. And a lot of these folks are elevating people to archbishop, bishop, or prophet. Like, people don't need to be saved. It's like assuming that everybody's already saved. So we just don't bring in these big-name folks, man, to build big buildings to put them all in. And a while ago, the Lord told me, don't build a bigger building. It's just more room to send us to build them believers, you've got to build them to be bigger. Bigger what, Lord? Bigger witnesses. You know, bigger witness. You know, after that, it's about the Holy Ghost coming on them so that they can be a witness. They receive power to be a witness. You know, without the Holy Ghost, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of limited in my witness. But to be a bigger witness, I'm going to teach you about the Holy Ghost. Teach you about the Spirit of God. And when you receive Him, He's going to give you power to be a witness. See, that's how you make believers bigger. Still the void that's in their life because of all that tradition we came up under. You break that yoke, you destroy that yoke. Now the Holy Ghost can come in and baptize them with the power they need to deal with and effectively. They move into struggle, you know. And so he says right there, you know, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's amazing. First he tell you that that he been born in the city of David. Now he tells you what he's going for. I love, I love the revelation, man, of the word of God. Everything you need to know is right there. Like before you even think this thought, bam, there's that. Because I know when you say, okay, he's born. Well, what is he going for? What is he going to do? He came to save. That was the law. We wasn't law, we wouldn't need no savior. I was law, he saved me. And I'm telling other folks about him. He's the one who saved me. Goes on in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 17, the King James Bible, right after the verse of John, the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, the King James Bible. Now, listen to that verse. It says that God told us the word that he gave one forgotten son that we don't believe in him, that I pray for that, that that's life. But notice what he says now for those who don't believe. Listen to that verse 17. He says in verse 17, third chapter of the book of John, King James Bible, but God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. We just told you why he came, seeking to say that we were lost. So he didn't send him to condemn it. If people lying if they say he did. But there will be a time when he will condemn. That ain't the time right now. He's seeking to save him right now. Even from the time he came until he returned. Then it says, but that the world through him 
might be saved. Okay? But that the world through him might be saved. So he's talking about everybody out there in the world. All that diverse population out there. Jews, Greek, Gentiles, indigenous people, you know, immigrants, everybody, black, white, brown, red, yellow. It's to the world. Whatever the, the diversity of the makeup, the culture makeup of the world, even some folks who have gone out of the natural use of their body, some who have tried to change their sex, did all that crazy stuff. But up against this standard right here, they still lost their need to say. They in the world. Some people in the world, they are of the world. All need to save them. They can't save themselves. The president can't save them. Your congressman can't save them. Police can't save them. Police can't save them. Father, they can't save them. First lady, elect lady, no man can say, can't say himself, no man can say. Ain't no power in their name or their title to say no one. God didn't send nobody but his son Jesus to be saved. And all those people have a soul. And if they haven't confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're lost. They're lost without that confession and belief in Jesus Christ. It's finished work on the cross. They're lost. And we can't be afraid to, you know, to, to, to let people know that. But we do it in love. Sometimes people can tell people in a way that it comes across with being arrogant. But there's a way to approach people and let them know, you know, through love that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross. See, that's the thing. They may not receive it right away. They might say, I'm a good person. They might say, oh, I don't need all of this. That's, a, that's, a old, that's unpaid. That's okay. Drop that seed and move on. Remember, he's giving seed to the soul. We're sowing. We don't make nobody be saved. We just share the good news of the gospel. We put on our evangelical hat and we do the work of an evangelist. And that's all where we go back to teaching and teaching. See, all of the above we should be able to do, but we should never forget where we came from. I was a basic witness before I became a minister. You know? In other words, as a basic witness, you can inherit the ministry of reconciliation. Then by sharing the fact that you saved, how you got saved. I told you, you don't have to try to prove nobody who God is. He's a savior, he'll do that. But I do have to kind of prove to him that who I am now in Christ. You know, new creature, old thing, pass away, the whole all things that become new. How so? Any man that be in Christ Jesus is a new creation. You know, God makes all things new. Old things are gone. They pass away. Old lifestyle, old conversation, old habits, ideas, behaviors, thoughts, gone. Pass into the deal of forgiveness. Who in their right mind that knows their struggle wouldn't want to get rid of it? It's just because we haven't given them enough love about Jesus Christ. We haven't given them enough reason, enough for hoping thoughts. Don't make a strong enough case about how serious I am about my salvation. I tell people in a minute, man, you start going that way with me, I'll break it down to the you crazy hell, they're going to talk me out of my salvation. I know what it's about and how I got it. You know, lost your mind. Hopefully, I don't have to go there, but I think shout out to these times I had to make that statement. Didn't care whether they broke me off as a friend, didn't care they never spoke to me again. They didn't save me no way. They didn't put forth nothing to get me saved. They're doing everything they get ready to be unsaved. They talk me out of being saved. Hey, you mean good as I am, man? I got it. If you don't get saved, the way to sin is death to give the God eternal life. 
Romans 3rd chapter, verse 23 says, and Romans chapter 6, verse 20, that's what it says. The Bible says that. Now, that's what the scripture says. Where it says that? Hey, right here in the church. See, that, that power of witness that comes out that scripture. You know they want to know, don't you? So verse 17 and 3rd book of John chapter, you know, chapter 3 of King James Bible, it says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Well, he didn't say but to condemn nobody. But send nobody here. There's nothing before it now. Either there, therefore, not no condemnation those who be in Christ. So ain't no condemnation left to condemn nobody. Only somebody we keep don't condemn who's not condemn somebody is ourselves. Judge not that you be there. Don't condemn that you so you won't be condemned. You know. Because if you walk in after the spirit, then that you can't gratify please the things of the flesh. Condemnation is of the flesh. It says you have the power that God don't. Or you have equal power. He's the only one. I got to have an help with him. He's the only one that's right and just in all his judgment. So let's go a little further. In the book of Acts, chapter uh, 5, verse 31 of King James Bible, let's dig a little deeper there, probe a little deeper. It says, Him, talking about Jesus now, as God exalted with his right hand, to be the prince, like the prince of peace now, and a savior of the world, but to give repentance to Israel, first his people, and forgiveness of sin. Now remember, those were his chosen people that had gone astray, you know, he had the boys down, you know, they went rogue on him, they went out to other gods, other idols, other things. But look at what he said, he, you know, he, he did it for them first. They rejected it. Then it was imputed to us. What was imputed to us about forgiveness of sin? They didn't want it, so he offered it to us. They thought their good works was good. They thought what they were doing was good. Remember, they was offering burnt sacrifices and killing animals and all of that. That system was a lot of did away with in the death of Jesus. That, that lamb that was slain once and for all, bought in a more excellent And because of that rejection, I look at that as an act of love. Because now it was extended to the Gentiles, which is where, I, where we came. And grafted in, as we often say, bad olive branch. We were, we was outside of that original promise that God had exalted Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, as the Savior, for, 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 for to give repentance of Israel. Notice what he said, Israel. Now guess what? We now are adopted children of the family of God, which is Israel. We are part of that family now to adopt. Okay? So God has enlarged, he has, he has, he's expanded his family. He's invited the Gentiles to come and be a part of what he originally promised and hoped for for Israel. That, that, that's a shouting thing to me right there. Regardless of how I got in, you know, I'm adopted because God set the standard. He set the criteria. That's why there can't be no condemnation. We can't say how bad or how good you know, somebody else enough to get in or not to get in. Not our business. Our business is to know that as long as he delays his coming, there's opportunity for anybody to repent. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. Black, white, yellow, on, doesn't matter. You, Greek, Gentile, it doesn't matter. Remember, it's universal. Whole world, you know, Trump, everybody. Liars, murderers, everybody. There's only one somebody the Bible talks about. 
that he one, one sin that they commit and God will not forgive that blasphemy and Holy Spirit. And what that saying is this, is that if the Holy Spirit comes to you, and, and, and the Bible promises in the book of Revelation that he will come to folks in the last day, and if we reject him when he comes to us and we know it's him, that's blasphemy. When he tells you to do something and you don't, that's blasphemy. Or you say something back or say something about it, you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You're like saying you don't believe when the God has already given us the word ahead of time to tell us that. That if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, then God will not forgive you that sin. But when the Holy Spirit, a lot of people run around and say that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said the Holy Spirit said, ain't did nothing he told him to do. So if, if, so if God were to condemn you right now, show it right now, then guess what? You would not be forgiven of that sin. That means separation awaits you. So we have to be so careful sometimes when we say, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And don't go follow up and do what he told you to do. Careful. And, and, and I'm saying us now because I'm included. I watch myself. And so he goes on to say, him has he exalted with his right hand to be the prince, prince of peace, and the savior, savior of the world, or to give repentance to Israel's first, the chosen people, and forgiveness of sin. You know, and, and I won't say I'm glad they rejected him, but I'm, I'm just kind of glad to say he extended it to us. When they did, I, I ain't putting them down. I'm just thank God. I pray for them every day. Into the rule, I pray for it that they get it right before Jesus comes. Open the Book of Acts, chapter thirteen, verse twenty-three, the King James Bible. Of this man's seed, as God, according to His promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, and He gives His name, Jesus. I, I like that, man. It's not a blanket statement for you to plug in the blank. It's already plugged in. All you got to do is believe he, what he said, Jesus. That's the Savior he gave to Israel. Well, guess what? He didn't say Gentiles, I'm going to give you a different Savior. He said, since they wouldn't have me as their Savior, I'm going to go ahead now and offer you the opportunity for me to be your Savior. Will you accept Peter, who do men say that I am? Okay, who do you say that? He was asking Peter, who do all them Jews, Peter, that you've been trying to convince and that you've been lying saying you don't know me, who do they say that I am? I'm a savior, but who do they say I am? They ain't trying to say the word, who do you say that I am? I'm moving on to you now, but you're going to preach to these Gentiles. You're going to preach to Jews and Gentiles. But I want, I want to make sure you know who I am. We ain't going out here preaching without knowing who I am. Now, you might go out and talk to folks, but preaching, as Paul told us, is commanded by God that we preach the word of God to the people of God. Book of Acts chapter 4, verse 42, King James Bible. So he makes it very clear. What is the word of God? Jesus Christ is the living word of God. So when you preach Jesus, you're preaching the word. You either can preach him his death, his burial, his resurrection, his crucifixion, his glorification. All that is the gospel. Salvation is based on that. That's the truth that makes you look. And most people don't want to hear about no death. They don't want to hear about no blood. They don't want to hear nothing about nobody being nailed on a cross. They want this pretty message in church. They want this feel-good message. They love to drive on. You know, we all choose to God. We all know we're not. If you don't get saved, like, like when I gave up my, my, my life in the world, you ain't getting the same thing that I'm getting. I, I, I don't. I truly believe that that's not God. I, 
I believe that you're going to have to repent. I had to repent of my sin. I do not believe in his sin going to dwell in the presence of God. I don't believe you're going to stand in the presence of God. You got to give up something. You got to die to self. Die to that 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 dominated spirit of sin that 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 that's got many bounds. Turn away from it. Come out from among them. Separate yourself. Be sanctified, consecrated unto a, a sacred purpose and call on your life to live for Jesus. And so he says right there, of this man's seed has God according to his promise raised unto Israel a savior. And that's a big cap talk. Somebody, and then he tells you who that Savior is, Jesus Christ, in quote. You know, that's in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 23. Now remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the Savior that came to the earth to seek and to save that which was lost. So these scriptures are confirmed by all these great apostles, these great teachers, these, these pastors, these, these, these apostles. All of them are saying the same thing. It's just all of them had a different experience and a different audience that they were talking to. Some were talking to Jews pure. Some were talking to Jews and Gentiles. Other other tribes belonged to either the Chaldean tribe or the Aramaic tribe, but they were all kind of, you know, half Samaritans. So you had a mixture, just like you got a very diverse group out there that they did. All was talking to primarily to the Gentiles. Talked to some Jews, but primarily he was talking to the Gentiles. The Jews he talked to was the ones who had been recently converted. That's why that's why they felt Paul. Under Peter, you know, they had some of them had been converted. Remember, three thousand got baptized when Peter was telling them, you know, about what had happened and how they had crucified the Savior. And these were the ones that John had baptized under repentance. Back to second chapter, he was telling them now the rest of what they must do. You know, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer in, in the name of John, but John talked about the repentance. Now you got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is a promise from the Father. So let's go a little further here. Uh, in the book of Romans now, here we another one of Paul's letters and epistles to the Roman church in Rome. Listen to what he says here. For what the law could not do, which is what everybody was freaking out about, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son, capitalism, my Jesus, and the likeness of sinful flesh became the flesh, what among us, and for sin, that's another reason he came, they be sin for us, condemn sin in the flesh. Sin couldn't handle him, but he could handle sin. Because he didn't have no part of it. He condemned, only, only relationship he had with it, he condemned it in the flesh. He put it under him in the flesh. He put it to sleep in the flesh. He killed it in the flesh because they couldn't kill him. Remember the way he sent it there. He couldn't kill him. He laid it on by them. Then, you know, being destroyed by him was for us. So that we could be free through his death. Our creation, appeasement meant, will be satisfied. The requirement was met. You know, and now forgiveness was offered off of his death, the merits of his death, his burial, his resurrection. It wasn't our merit, it was his merit of his death, his burial, his resurrection. Knock 
give you that 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 choice again to choose. Lord said, Hey, I've called the day heaven and earth against you, the witness against you, that I have sat before you, Jesus can hear I sat before you life and death, my two he It's like God knew ahead of time what was gonna need to happen in the days to come. And the Bible says in the fullness of time, that's what happened. Well, ain't nothing new under the sun. It's just sometimes we don't pay attention to what those prophets say. We like what these prophets are saying. These false teachers, these false, they spin it, they twist it. But we have record that we can draw from. He says, don't add nothing to this word of prophecy. Every word that was said before is being fulfilled now. And it will continue to all of it being fulfilled. And every year out there, that is chance to hear every preacher. But let's go a little further before we close. But well, that was in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 3 of the King James Bible. It says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That's what Jesus came to condemn that sin in the flesh. He could have did it in the spirit and never came. But we were still going to be true to the sin. So he had to come and be an example and a witness among us so we could look at him full of grace and truth. And show us, man, how to fulfill the law knowing none of us would. But we had already filled that test. So we had to come and institute a new way of doing things. The Bible calls it a more excellent way. You know, what was the more excellent way? His trust and confidence was in the one that sent him. Our trust and confidence got to be in the one that was sent by him. Our hope got to be in him. Our eternal hope got to be in him. Well, let's go a little further here. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15 uh, of the King James Bible, now Paul is right to Timothy, who's going to be a pastor. Timothy got to know how to teach these older folks, but they probably deep in tradition. You know? Yeah. So let's see what he's telling Timothy to tell him now. This is a faithful saying, Timothy, and worthy of all acceptations. Young folks, older folks, men, women, doesn't matter the person of the group. You Gentile, he said, it's of all acceptation. That means they have to accept the truth to be saved. Of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am Jesus. See, this is what makes it easy to say we and us, being first for taking. See, I'm not afraid to admit I was telling, I was probably. Like Paul, cheap. You know what I'm saying? So why should I not be cheap with? Why should I put equal stock on witnesses? Equal effect on witnesses as I did on being a cheap sinner, a good sinner, I say. You know what a good sinner is? Somebody who likes doing it. So why shouldn't I like witnessing? Why shouldn't I like being in the battle? Why shouldn't I like teaching and, and then preaching? Down, doctor, running my mouth deep. But my mouth got saved too. The tongue got saved too. And so he tells Timothy, you know, Timothy, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ that God sent his son Jesus to the earth, is seeking to say that which was lost. All of that, Timothy, you know, sinners can be saved. I know because I was the chief. He saved me. Timothy, the second letter, the second epistle, to Timothy 
is in the book of Second Timothy chapter one, verse ten, being saying Bible is what Paul is saying now. Obviously, he had to write another letter. So maybe, they maybe they didn't get the first. Maybe Timothy ran into some, some hardcore folks, and maybe he went back to Paul and said, "I tried it, but you know, I, it gave me a hard time." I don't know. I'm speculating now, but it was a reason why he had to write a second letter, just like in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, First Timothy, Second Timothy, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. You know, this this this, this sometimes need to be said more than once. You know, so let's see what he said in the second letter. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So Paul is now reassuring Timothy, you keep seeing them dope with the gospel. That's how they're going to know about this. That's how they're going to learn about this. Don't let them drag you back into the philosophy and, and tempt you to you know, say other stuff and bring other people in. No, you stick with the gospel because Paul is saying, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. That is the power of God in the salvation. No doubt, Timothy probably, you know, was a little bit reluctant because of some of the reaction he got. I don't know, but there was a reason why Paul pulled him back to focus on the gospel. There's a reason why I believe right now God is trying to get the, these, these mega folks out here who are now saying what they thought was well, to pull them back to the gospel. Don't go wearing off out there your own understanding. Don't go out there with your own tradition. Don't go out there elevating your own people and putting titles on. Come back to the gospel. The gospel tells you what the qualifications of a bishop and a pastor, a pastor. It tells you, go by that. You know, and Paul is pulling Timothy back to the gospel because maybe some tradition was pulling him away. And remember now, Paul had already told him in the third chapter, of the second book of Timothy. Remember, Mama Eunice and, and you know, Eunice and, 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 you know, how they raised you? You know, you're pulling them back to the gospel, you know, which was inspired by God. You know, Eunice was, remember how they raised you, Mama and Grandma? Now, I'm not telling you anything different. They taught you the gospel, inspired by, I'm teaching you the gospel. You got to teach everybody else the gospel that they get it, Timothy. They may not get it the first time. Keep feeding it to him. You keep feeding it to him. God's word ain't coming back for it. Let's see what Paul writes in the letter to the Hebrews now. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 25, King James Bible. Now remember, we're still talking about the Savior that God sent to the earth. Is he going to say that with you? God, it looks like a lot of people that need a Savior. There's a lot of people today. The Bible said that, you know, we got to testify witness now. As we look out on the world, the fields, and see that they're white with plenty, and the harvest is plenty, but the labor is few. Everybody ain't preaching this gospel that Paul just recalled Timothy to. They're preaching the gospel that ain't this gospel. And because that nighttime is coming, y'all, that season of darkness is coming, the Bible says, but no man can do this. And the people are still not saved. Well, let's see what he says right here. He says, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost, listen to this now, that come unto God by him, to my Jesus, and he ever liveth to make an intercession for them. Sinners, <clears throat> he's still making an intercession. Hoping to the Father that they're going to be saved. Hoping to the Father that if you delay your coming or, or, your, or your sending me back, that somebody will get saved because somebody's preaching to God. Somebody's not ashamed of I wasn't ashamed of the Father, and I'm praying, as I am, so are they in the earth. As I was, so are they in the 
I will be so a day in the earth. All of them that you gave me, Father, I pray you keep them right now. Keep their minds on you. Keep their eyes on you. Keep them full of the gospel. Keep them, Lord God, sharing the good news of the gospel. You gave them to me. You sanctified them with that word. That word was true. And then keep the ones that are that are, that are one to Christ by them, by their testimony. Keep them too. In the book of John, chapter 17, he will pray that prayer. But here Paul writes in the Hebrews. He ain't changing. He just writes that same encouraging letter. Don't forget Jesus Christ, Jesus Savior. He's the one that came. He's the one that will manifest. There's no other name. Goes on, and we're going to close right here in the book of John, first, uh, the fourth chapter, verse 14. We're back where we started. Uh, Stone full circle. The book of first John, chapter 4, verse 14, the King James Bible, as we bring it to a close tonight. I think we're going to get to 15, but we'll hold off on that. Uh, not try to give it all to you tonight. I think I've given you enough to prove the point that God did send his son Jesus to be the savior of the world. And we're seeking to save that which was lost. Not to condemn, but that sinner through him might be saved. That's the same that it hasn't changed. So just as a reminder and a refresher again, the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, King James Bible, keep us in context here. It says, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, we were not physically there. But as you look into the perfect law of liberty, the word can put you there. The word can have an effect on you to make it seem like I was right there. I'm here now where they were then. And if we continue to work our salvation out, we're going to be there where they are now. But those who mourn, those who die, they're in the presence of the Lord. They're there with the Lord. We're going to be where they're at if we endure to the end. And see what the end is going to bring. This is what it's going to bring. It's going to bring us right in the presence of God, just like it took them who endured to the end. Lost their life, can the God. But they got a great kind of great reward that's awaiting them. Well, we're going to be the same way if we endure to the end. Work out our salvation for being tough. Living our life now in light of eternity. And telling others about how to do it. Others about how to do it. That's the good news of the gospel. Telling them about how to do it. Now it's up to them if they do it. My job is to tell them, teach them, show them, not make them. He's he, he, he lifted up when we do that and he's drawing. All right, then we're going to end right there. We thank the Lord tonight for the teaching about God sending his son Jesus Christ to the earth. Not to condemn, but to him, sinners might be saved, you know, and we testify. But we look in the Word, we see it. We can imagine. We can put ourselves in spirit. We weren't there physically. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you right now for what we've heard, what we've learned. Now, Father, let us be anchored. Let us be rooted. Let us be stable. As Paul reminded Timothy, always keep the gospel. As your watchword, always keep the gospel as your tool to win souls. Always keep the gospel as the power of God and salvation for all who shall believe. How can they accept they hear and how can they hear except there be a preacher? Except there be a teacher that preach that he's commanded, that she or she commanded, that they are commanded to preach the word of God to the people of God. 
into a weekend for you to What I use that word, what I feel is that we help, what is not going into our heart. I you know what I mean? Now we have this word in our heart, but we don't sin against you anymore. Because Jesus came and condemned that sin in the flesh, and we're not condemned. We don't only have to be in a control over us. We thank you for sanctifying us tonight with your word. Your word is true. And we thank you for all those souls that are going to be wanted to share this God. And we give you praise for it. We give you glory for it. We give you honor for it. For it's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer tonight to the God above. He gives our prayers and after them and show us great and mighty things. Even as you are doing, now drawing people. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so we're going to go right into our comment section tonight, questions that you have in, and we'll start with our very 